0: This week, Donald Trump Junior speaks to ADH TV's Alan Jones. A hunter Biden,
1: the son of the president, can take a billion dollar investment from China and you know. China is many things, but they're not stupid. They don't invest in crackheads. That's not part of their diversity agenda.
0: We'll show you the best bits in a sec. Ron DeSantis joins the US presidential race for 2024, but not without a hitch. More astounding revelations at the inquiry following the Brittany Higgins and Bruce Lerman trial. And we explain clearly and simply what the shocking Durham report in America is all about and what you need to know about the campaign to get Trump. G'day and welcome to The Other Side Australia. I'm Damien Khoury. This is a show that presents a different take on the news of the week, bringing you up to date for the weekend by explaining things a little more clearly and going a little deeper than the old media do. I'm Damien Curry, and welcome to this week's episode 207 of The Other Side Australia for the weekend starting Friday, May 26 on ADH TV. I just can't start today's show without a tribute to the woman whose tragic final days are a sign of the sick, over-policed and over-regulated country that Australia has sadly become. As you've no doubt heard by now, 95-year-old great-grandmother Claire Noland died at around 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. She was tasered by a police officer at her nursing home in the New South Wales town of Cooma near Canberra because she was walking towards the officer holding a steak knife. She walked with a walking frame and she was 95 years old. So it's hard to imagine that she posed a threat worth the use of a taser. Tasers can be lethal to people with heart or other conditions. They are not a tool the police should use lightly, and they should never be used on any elderly person under any circumstances. They've charged a 33-year-old senior constable involved, but that is not gonna solve the real problem, which is obviously a serious issue with training within the New South Wales Police Force. Heads must roll within the force at a senior level. This is just unacceptable. Mrs. Noland is believed to have suffered a fractured skull and a serious brain bleed after falling and hitting her head as she was tasered. I wonder what Claire was like when she was younger. In a statement, Mrs. Nolan's family said she was a well-respected, much-loved, and giving member of her local community, and the loving and gentle-natured matriarch of the Nolan family. It's not clear whether she suffered dementia, but wandering nursing homes at night is something elderly people do quite often. But this was the final days of the life of a woman who meant a lot to her family, lived through World War II, and probably had a long and very meaningful life. Too meaningful to end in such a hideous way. We have failed her. This isn't just a failure of policing, it's a failure of our aged care system, our state and federal governments, and all of us as citizens, in not taking more care in who we vote for and why. It's the symptom of a state of affairs that we're all a little bit responsible for, I think. The terrible state of the culture within our political leadership around Australia was on full display with a disgusting performance in Queensland state parliament from the members of Anastasia Palaszczuk's Labour government in the north. Chronic shortages forced a Gold Coast hospital to transfer patients to, wait for it, SeaWorld MediHotel because they couldn't accommodate them in the hospital. Gold Coast MP Sam O'Connor from the Queensland LNP opposition outlined the problem in Parliament only to be met with cackling laughter from Labor Ministers Grace Grace and the new Queensland Health Minister Sharon Fentiman. Here's how Channel 9's Today Show reported it. The hotel bed could not be height adjusted and the chairs were not suitable for an elderly patient with hip breaks.
2: We don't need whistleblowers to tell us of a policy that was
3: started by Lawrence Springboard about how to care for patients in a very safe, comfortable way. What the hell are you laughing at? Mm. What are you laughing at? Stop cacking yourself and get on with rebuilding the health for Queenslanders. Disgusting behaviour, start rebuilding.
0: I couldn't agree with Carl Moore. What a pack of absolutely shameful, unprofessional buffheads! Absolutely disgusting. And that Sharon Fentiman has just been given the health portfolio to look after in a reshuffle of Queensland cabinet by Anastasia Palaszczuk. She's the member for an electorate in Logan City, south of Brisbane. The same city that our federal treasurer Jim Chalmers is from. Big Labour territory. I hope the people of Logan teach her a lesson at the next election. It's shameful stuff. We really aren't getting any talent into our political ranks these days, are we? Again, it's ultimately our fault for not caring and doing more to hold the major parties in check. The son of the former US president, Donald Trump, says it is time to radically reform big institutions in the United States, such as the FBI, that have become politically driven in their approach to criminal investigations. Donald Trump Jr. made the comments following the release of the Durham report in the US this past week in an exclusive interview with ADHTV's Alan Jones last night. In the face of this unbelievable campaign
1: that you and your family are facing from the left, I said last night, uh, you must surely feel, the the left must surely feel threatened by the prospect of your father returning to the presidency. How hard is it to withstand the withering attacks? And I suggested last night uh, that if Donald Trump becomes president again, his first move might be to gut the FBI. That'd be a start, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I think that would be a great start. Uh, you know, you, you, you gut these institutions. Again, it, it's clear the evidence is out there. I mean, they're they're committing crimes against America at this point. They're, they're illegally spying this week alone on, you know, quarter of a million Americans. Uh, they're actively working to subvert the duly elected president of the United States. That's not pretend. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's literally there in writing. Uh, the uh, Joe Biden knew about it. Hillary Clinton orchestrated it. The leader of the FBI and DOJ were complicit and involved. Then President Barack Obama was also aware and condoned it. These are not things that happen in, in a true democracy.
0: We're going to do a full deep dive and a complete explainer on the Durham report a little later in the show. Trump Jr. is coming to Australia in July for a speaking tour. He's been a longtime campaigner against radical extremist identity politics in America, and that will be the focus of his three-city tour down under.
1: The woke ideology has become a cancer on our productivity, on our culture, on our country, on our society, uh, and it's a big problem uh, for the West. I think we saw that Across all of the places that, you know, perhaps prior to COVID, I would have thought were, you know, of like mind, places where there were meritocracies, places where freedom sort of abounded. Uh, You know, I would have said Australia was one of those countries. I would have said Canada is one of those countries. New Zealand, the UK, uh, and the United States were sort of the strongholds I I would have named. And yet you see the COVID response and the lockdowns and the draconian measures across the board and the silencing of dissenting opinions, and dissenting opinions that were proven to be 100% right. Whether it was the people that called nonsense on Russia, Russia, Russia for five years, it didn't matter. If you said Russia, 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 you were given every accolade, you won Pulitzer Prizes. They're not taken away now that we realize or everyone realized that it's all a hoax. My the goodness. same thing was done as it relates to COVID and the Wuhan response, you know? Of course it came from the Wuhan lab that studies the exact virus in question in the town that the virus originated. In. That was never that was never the least plausible answer. It was always the most plausible answer. And yet if you said that and you were in Absolutely. science or Donald, medicine, don't, talent, don't, you were don't. ridiculed and driven out of uh, existence. <laughs>
0: Trump Jr. told ADHTV that he had to suffer 50 hours of interrogation by various congressional hearings in failed attempts to take down his father, Well it appears that the current president's son is untouchable.
1: Uh, Hunter Biden, the son of the president, can take a billion dollar investment from China and, you know, China is many things, but they're not stupid. They don't invest in crackheads. That's not part of their diversity agenda when <laughs> they're deciding their investments. Uh, the same thing with Russian oligarchs who are money money laundering, money tied to human trafficking and sex trafficking rings across Europe. You know, if I did any of those things, I'd be in jail right now when it's done by the leftist uh, president and the son of the leftist president. It's not even a topic of conversation. Mm. It can't be touched. Mm. It's that poison in that ideology. So for me, how do I do it? I do it because I fight. Good That's what I do. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm well, not going to take it lying down. I have five young children and there's far too much at stake.
0: Donald Jr is a graduate from the prestigious Wharton School of Business and a 45 year old father of five who says his biggest concern is for the future of his kids.
1: The attack on family structure, uh, the the attack, you know, the pushing of some of these concepts, Alan, That. A few, a few short years ago, we would have said there, there, there's no way that even the most radical of the left can believe this. In our, in our country, you know, it's the, you know, the pushing of uh, genital mutilation of young children because you know some purple-haired teacher indoctrinates them and tells them uh, they don't know what sex they are. That is the cause of and solution for all of life's problems. Uh, the, the radical left has taken over every major institution in America and probably the world. They're pushing their nonsense ideology on everyone. Uh, they're trying to dismantle everything that is good and decent uh, in the world and in our history. And again, I think my father's 100% spot on in all of that.
0: Just a taste there of Alan Jones' interview with Donald Trump Jr. last night. He'll be... Uh, Uh, visiting Australia in July, and you can watch the whole interview with Alan Jones on demand here on ADH-TV anytime you like. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. will be in Sydney on the 9th of July, Brisbane on the 10th, and Melbourne on the 11th. trumplive.com.au if you want to get tickets. Of course, the radical extremists that just like to shut down any speech they don't want to hear are freaking out about him even coming down under. One has even set up a petition. Donald Trump Jr. is an illegal, drug-taking, bigoted person who should not be allowed to enter Australia for the purpose of earning himself and possibly his father any campaign contributions. Ban him from this country, says somebody named Chris Erickson, who set up the petition. So tolerant, so respectful of the ideals of free speech that made Western civilisation and Australia great. But Chris Erickson doesn't worry me. The fact that the petition has almost 6,000 signatures already certainly does worry me. And it's been shared widely on Twitter. Trevor, a landscape artist from Tasmania, says, Sign this and stop the fanning of anti democracy MAGA flame in Australia. They can't even hear themselves, these people. Anti democracy? But banning political speech of your opponents is not anti democracy. Right, okay. Got it. And do not let the Trumps use Australia as a base of operations. Stop Donald Trump Jr. getting an Australian visa. Sign the petition. Yeah, Treble, mate, I don't think the Trumps want Australia as a base for their operations somehow. Bizarre. But this is how the left gets things done. They're so much better at social media stuff than the right is, and it works for them. So let's see if we can beat that. I've set up a counter petition for you to sign on change.org. You can find the link on our Twitter page at Other Side Oz, Aus, AUS. And remember our rule don't just sign it or like it, share it. Popular conservative governor of Florida State in the United States, Ron DeSantis, has announced that he is running for nomination to be the presidential candidate for the Republican Party against Donald Trump. He did his launch in an interview setting with elon musk on twitter spaces in a pr stunt that was as much a promotion for elon musk's twitter as anything but oops things didn't work out too well here's how the washington post saw it all right sorry about that we we've got so many people here that i think we
1: are we are uh, kind of melting the servers so they
2: just keep crashing huh
1: See, I think
0: we're back online here. Great. Um, all right. Well, it's certainly uh, an, an incredible honor to uh, have Governor DeSantis uh, make this uh, stark announcement. Uh, can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you broke the- <laughs> I'm
3: right, here. I know. I think. I think you broke the internet. There, we had over half a million people in one
1: Twitter space. And it was growing by like fifty thousand a minute. So uh congrats on uh on breaking the internet there.
4: <laughs> well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American combat.
0: Oh boy. I'm sorry that we're gonna see a battle between Trump and Ron DeSantis, actually. I hope that they keep their attacks focused on the real enemy during the primaries campaign, which is the political opposition, not each other. Interesting times ahead. Schools across Australia are going to be teaching kids what is and isn't truth in the media soon. Isn't that great? So everything will be just fine from now on.
3: TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Australian teenagers are getting their news now from a variety of sources. But how do they know who to
0: trust? Good question. Why do I get the feeling I know where this story is heading?
3: 10 News First can tonight exclusively reveal that soon every high school in the country will be equipped to teach students how to separate fact from fake news.
0: Oh, Sandra, the irony. 10 News First can exclusively reveal how kids will be taught how to distinguish fact from 10 News. It's just too good.
4: There is such a thing as being book smart, street smart and now eSmart.
3: Put your hand up if you thought it was opinion.
4: Great. In an evolving online world where media isn't
2: just created by credible journalists.
0: There are credible journalists? Sorry, I'm just being cheeky now. There are many credible journalists, but there are many not so credible ones too. And if it was easy to draw a line between the two, it would have been done by now. Credibility comes from being right, consistently over time and building trust with your audience. It doesn't come from censoring online media and pretending that the old media are always the honest ones. I'd argue after COVID that quite the opposite is true in Australia right now. No doubt 10 News considers itself part of the credible media. I was a senior reporter there in the 1990s and even then, in the olden days, you know, TV news wasn't all that crash hot Nowadays, yeah, but who am I to judge? High school teachers know best.
3: It's being constructed by influencers and it's being constructed by the um, commentators. These year aides are learning how to spot fake news. Especially around COVID-19
4: and I guess the war between Russia, Russia and Ukraine. The assignment, identify
2: legitimate sources and the difference between fact, opinion and misinformation.
0: You know, it all sounds great. If they're making kids aware of how news is a construct, that is great. But I can't help thinking that someone's agenda or ideology will be implanted even over how this course is constructed. And that's the thing about free speech. God, or if you're a non-believer, good old Mother Nature, has put in humans a generally pretty good BS detector, but it only works if we're exposed to all sides of an argument. So the answer to all this scary misinformation and disinformation is not more censorship or control from some central authority, a Jacinda Ardern-style Orwellian Ministry of Truth.
3: Uh, You can
2: also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information,
0: do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, COVID19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. Trust us, we're the government. We're your single source of truth. What could possibly go wrong with that? And when has everything ever ever gone wrong with that in history? She just doesn't get it, which is why she is where she is now, I think. No, Jacinda, the only way to get to the truth is not central authority controlling censorship. It's more openness. The light of truth shining on lies is what helps us work out what the truth is. Not bureaucrats making up school curricula, not teachers educated in woke universities, and definitely not journalists from 10 News. We're the real news. Look at our shiny studios and all the good-looking people. Nope. The truth comes from how you analyse what you're getting. And yes, there are too many people on our side of politics who join the dots in conspiracy theories a little too quickly. And when you do your own research, you've got to also engage excellent critical thinking skills and not believe everything you see that confirms your biases. But there are also huge manipulators and propagandists on the other side of politics that will have you voting for a communist party thinking that it's an environmental party before you can say, oops, I didn't mean to vote green. Insofar as this new national course on media credibility stays unbiased between old media and new media, and teaches kids how to tell when a story's been spun to a particular political leaning, and teaches critical thinking skills and how to spot biases and common thinking errors, then that's a really good thing. But forgive me if I get a little worried when the government starts wanting to teach what is truth and what isn't truth to our kids. Forgive me if I'm not filled with confidence that our bureaucrats in education or our woke media studies teachers are going to get that right. I reckon they will be politically spinning the fiction that the ABC or the Sydney Morning Herald are more credible than TV or The Australian. Instead of teaching that all news is biased in different directions and to different degrees, and you need to open your mind for a bit, and then you need to make your mind up yourself what's true and what's not. And what sources have earned your trust over time and which ones haven't? You can reach out to us anytime at The Other Side by emailing at info at othersideoz.com. That's info at othersideoz.com. Very simple. If you'd like to be added to our mailing list, just say add me or opt in in the body of your email and don't forget to join us every tuesday night on adh tv or anytime on demand for the other side interviews our weekly interview show this show our main news and commentary summary show the other side australia will drop every friday night at eight and our interview show drops every tuesday night at six and all the episodes are available for you to watch on adh on demand at any time and on all good podcast platforms to listen to as well if you prefer that And uh, to keep uh, us up to date and keep you up to date, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the other side, Oz. that's A-U-S. The latest week of hearings into the inquiry into the criminal justice system in the Australian Capital Territory after the aborted Brittany Higgins-Bruce Lerman trial has brought some even more amazing revelations than we told you about in last week's show. This week, it was the police officers' turn to take the witness stand. Detective Superintendent Scott Moller was the third person to give evidence at the inquiry and the first of the police officers. He was the top cop investigating the Higgins rape claims. He said straight off the bat that police believed there was not sufficient evidence to charge Bruce Lerman and raised concerns about the pressure put on investigators to get Lerman into court. He said all the officers involved agreed they didn't have enough evidence to lay charges, but said he changed his mind after getting advice from the Director of Public Prosecutions, Shane Drumgold. Drumgold has now stood aside following his evidence last week. You can check out our last episode 206 for more on that. But here's the most important bits from this week. Superintendent Moller told the inquiry that he swore the summons to arrest Lerman himself so that officers who did not believe in it did not have to go through with it. I swore the summons because I didn't want to put any of my staff in the position where they had to do something they didn't want to do, that they didn't believe in, so I did it, he said. He also said that they didn't tell Brittany Higgins that they were going to charge Lerman when they did because they were worried that she'd tip off the media. And he said investigators were under pressure from the public media and within the AFP to expedite the process and get Mr. Lerman before a court. Later in the week, Detective Moller revealed that he himself was a sexual assault survivor. The revelation came after it was suggested under cross-examination that he might have outdated views towards sex assault complainants. 45 years ago, I was a victim of sexual assault, and I've lived with that for 45 years, and that has driven my desire to work in the police and to work with victims. That has driven my desire and my want to make sure that never happens, that sexual assault never happens to anyone else in the community. And that has been my driving force. The Australian also reports Detective Moller told the inquiry that Brittany Higgins' media strategy made it difficult for investigators because of the perceived interest that Ms Higgins had in the media. The drive that Ms Higgins showed to be in the media, he said. In April 2021, Higgins asked for the investigation into her rape claim to be reopened, but refused to provide police a statement ahead of her story being broadcast on the project. And Moller said the investigator's frustrations continued as Ms Higgins resisted producing her mobile phone for examination. More to come next week. The politicisation of criminal justice is a really, really bad trend happening in both the United States and here at home in Australia. It's the use of criminal law to go after political opponents in a way that you'd never bother going after people if they weren't your political opponent. And it's the phenomenon that's turned me from someone concerned about Donald Trump becoming president in 2016 to someone concerned much more about the blatant hollow attempts by his opponents to take him down that we saw during his presidency. Such brazen abuses of legal conventions and the political conventions of healthy liberal democracies by the Democrats to get Trump make a mockery of their claims that Trump has been a danger to American institutions and political conventions. Nobody has done more to damage political integrity in America than the get-Trump Democrats. This week, you've probably heard about a thing in the news called the Durham report. It was the report of a four-year investigation into the way that the FBI handled the Russian collusion investigation into Trump's campaign team. Here's how the American new media TV show Breaking Points explained it this week.
2: The Durham report was the report to oversee the Mueller report, and which was then a response to the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Investigate the investigators. Investigating the investigators who are the investigators of the president, and uh, I know that this can just seem absolutely maddening. Let's just start with the very basics of It all comes back to Russiagate. What was Russiagate has now become an all-encompassing term. I think at its core, it was this. Donald Trump and the Trump campaign, members of the Trump campaign, conspired with the Russian government, both through monetary and political purposes to damage the Hillary Clinton campaign that included an allegation that they were helping coordinate WikiLeaks, not true. That they were helping coordinate other leaks, not true. That they were helping coordinate Facebook ads to help sway the election, also not true. But that was it at its core, and it had you know different sub elements like the Steele dossier, like Alpha Bank, like Alpha all of Bank. these other uh, allegations that have since all been debunked. We know now today that not one of those things happens to be true.
0: Okay, what's funny is that the whole drama actually kind of started with former Australian Foreign Affairs Minister and ex-leader of the Liberal Party, Alexander Downer, back in May of 2016. Downer had a drink in a bar in London with a young guy from Trump's campaign team called George Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos had bragged to Downer that the Trump campaign was aware the Russian government had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Later in July, news broke that the Democratic Party's National Committee's computer server had been hacked. Hearing that, Australian officials, based on what Alexander Downer had told them, told the FBI that Trump knew that Russia had dirt on Hillary. Maybe they were behind the hacking. This led the FBI to open a counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign. This was called the Crossfire Hurricane investigation into what the media called Russiagate. Donald Trump at the time said it was all a conspiracy and a hoax cooked up by the Democrats to divert attention from the dirt on Hillary. Australian writer and podcaster Nick Holt from the Modern Enquirer news commentary site tweeted that, the FBI initiated Crossfire Hurricane upon receiving unverified intelligence from Australia leading to the biggest lie in US political history. This inspired a retweet from American author Juanita Broderick, who wrote, apparently the only ones who weren't involved in the Russia Trump collusion were Russia and Trump. But back to 2016 and the establishment of this FBI investigation into Russiagate called Crossfire Hurricane. It was trying to sort out if the alleged links between President Trump's associates and Russian officials and spies were real. Was someone in the Trump campaign team coordinating with Russia's efforts to interfere in the 2016 elections? It's important to note that Trump himself was never personally under investigation. But after he got elected, he fired the FBI director James Comey in 2017, as he was more than entitled to do as president but Trump's critics screamed, it's an obstruction of justice. And then that triggered another investigation known as the Mueller investigation. Remember that one? That took two years. Then in 2019, we had the Mueller report, which found that Russian interference had occurred in a, quote, sweeping and systemic fashion by Mueller. But he also found that, yep, there were considerable links between Trump's campaign and the Russians. But that evidence did not establish that the Trump campaign had, quote, conspired or coordinated with the Russian government. Fizzer. The Democrats said, see, they were in contact. Russiagate was real. While the Republicans said, see, there was no conspiracy with Russia. There's no evidence, fake Russia hoax. And well, they were both technically correct. And America's two completely different versions of reality were allowed to live side by side again for another day. The Trump side continued to argue that the original FBI crossfire hurricane investigation was opened on false pretenses and for political purposes. So then there was another review done by the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz that was released in December 2019. Did it solve the mystery? Not really. It found that there was no evidence that any political bias against Trump had tainted the setting up of the FBI's crossfire hurricane probe. But it did find that the FBI made some pretty serious mistakes in its warrant applications to investigate some of Trump's people. So again, there was a little something for everyone. The score now is political partisans two, the well-being of America zero. It was a shameful mess and a failing of the criminal justice system to keep its hands away from politics that would make even the Australian capital territory blush. So given all this mess, In 2019, the US Attorney General William Barr assigned John Durham, who was the United States Attorney for the District of Connecticut at the time, to lead an investigation into Crossfire Hurricane. And now here we are, four years later, we have the Durham report. And now the truth is known and all the partisan bickering has stopped, right? No. Again, there was something for everyone. Durham did not recommend charges against anyone but he did strongly criticize the FBI and the Justice Department saying that they, quote, failed to uphold the important mission they have of strict fidelity to the law and saying that a full investigation by the FBI should never have been launched into the alleged Russia collusion claims. Durham said that, quote, neither US law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion at the commencement of the investigation. The report says that even alexander downer himself later revealed that there was no suggestion that there was collusion between donald trump or donald trump's campaign and the russians and it says that british intelligence officials at the time couldn't believe the papadopoulos bar conversation was all that there was to the case quote at a minimum Confirmation bias played a significant role in the FBI's acceptance of extraordinarily serious allegations derived from uncoordinated information, sorry, uncorroborated, rather, information, Durham said. Quote, the fact that the FBI didn't seem to critically analyze information that ran counter to the narrative of a Trump-Russia collusive relationship is extremely troublesome. He said the FBI should not have opened a full investigation, But a preliminary one might have been okay so what's been the impact of this new report well the left-wing media in america have been trying to bury the story after initially reporting it like this
3: the years-long investigation is over and john durham the special counsel investigating whether there was any misconduct by the fbi in the trump russia investigation just released his findings for years as you may recall donald trump and his supporters in their hopes on the investigation uh, by the former U.S. attorney for Connecticut. John Durham, later named special counsel by Attorney General Bill Barr, Trump and his allies arguing that Durham would exonerate him and his 2016 campaign and associates from any hint of improper behavior regarding the Russian government's attempts to interfere in the 2016 election. Durham is coming, was the slogan and the meme tweeted by Republican lawmakers.
4: We are so far down the rabbit hole that to just sort of stand at sea level, and say Durham found nothing new, his two prosecutions failed and the projections and hopes and dreams that Trump and his allies had were an absolute dud and a flop, is actually viewed as a partisan statement.
0: Yeah, because it is a partisan statement. That's far-left US news channel MSNBC in full flight. Meanwhile, the right-wing media weren't happy that the report didn't go far enough and say it did, in fact, shed some light on a few things.
3: We already knew that they framed Donald Trump for treason. We knew the fact that Hillary created the Russia collusion hoax. We knew Barack Obama was briefed on Crooked's scam to link him to Russia. And we knew that they fabricated evidence to spy on the Trump campaign. Obama administration officials spied on the Trump campaign illegally based on a hoax that Crooked cooked up. And then they cleaned it all up with the Mueller investigation, which was a fake investigation designed to tee up an impeachment that didn't work. Here's what we didn't know. We didn't know this. We didn't know that the FBI shut down investigations into the Clinton Foundation. We didn't know that they shut down investigations into illegal foreign contributions to the Clinton campaign. Also, new details that Durham brings out. Comey was the one who personally pushed for the spying. He pushed hard for the FISA, and now we're not, we're finding out that the FBI told their officials, "Don't write anything down, don't put anything in writing," because they knew this was nasty. Also, it looks like the P tape came from the Democrats. It never even came from the Russians. It never even came from the Ritz-Carlton. It came from that Dolan cat that created the P tape. Also. Uh, A bunch of agents at the FBI and the Department of Justice refused to cooperate with John Durham. So we still don't even really know the
0: full truth. And told you he wasn't going to deliver. That's Jesse Waters on Fox News The Five show there. It's times like this that I like to seek out wise analysis that's a little bit impartial. Respected U.S. constitutional expert, Harvard Law School professor and attorney Alan Dershowitz is no right winger nor is he a big fan of Donald Trump, but he, like many of us, is concerned about the inappropriate use of the criminal justice system by politicians to go after their opponents. As I said, we're seeing it too much in Australia now, and it's a very, very dark trend. Dershowitz highlighted his concerns in a recent book called Get Trump. He spoke to Forbes magazine's Diane Brady about his reaction to the Durham report this week.
4: Well, it's uh, Get Trump, too. Uh, Everything I said in Get Trump, that there's a double standard, that there are efforts by good people to do bad things in order to prevent what they believe is an even worse harm to the country, namely the election of Donald Trump as president, is distorting the Constitution. It was the thesis of my book, Get Trump, and it's the central thesis of the Durham Report. Uh, What the Durham Report shows is that there was an absolute double standard, that they had far more evidence to go after Hillary Clinton, who I voted for and who's my friend, who I supported and who I contributed to. But the report says there was far more objective, verified intelligence to open up an investigation of Hillary Clinton than it was to open up an investigation of Donald Trump. But that people in the FBI and other agencies of government saw the evidence through the prism of bias against Trump and in favor of Clinton. And it wasn't only partisan bias. There were Republicans as well who were very concerned, and I understand why, Mm -hmm. very concerned that if Trump were elected, it would harm the national security of the United States. And so they were prepared to stretch the law, stretch the facts, stretch the constitution, and do whatever it took to do what they believed was the right thing, namely make sure that Trump was not elected president.
0: Alan Dershowitz says the greatest danger to liberty lurks in people with good intentions bending the rules to get outcomes that they think are the right ones. Professor Dershowitz says the impeachment of Donald Trump by the Democrats was an example of this sort of dangerous setting of precedents that tear down the important conventions and ways of operating that keep our liberal democracies going.
4: What what I think the Durham report shows is how important it is to have strict rules, objective, strict rules, because I don't think people are going to learn their lesson. You could have written the Durham report exactly about what district attorney Bragg is now doing to Trump, making up a crime, making it up completely out of cloth. Never in the history of America has anybody ever been indicted for failure to disclose in a public record that he paid hush money to prevent his family, his voters, his business associates from uh, learning about an illicit affair. Uh, it's never happened in history. They just made it up, created a crime. And, and that's, of course, what, what uh, Durham found. There was no evidence of collusion uh, with Russia. There was some evidence that Hillary Clinton uh, plotted, or people in her campaign may have plotted to, to accuse Trump um, according to uh, the Durham report, to cover up her own problems with having a um, uh, an improper uh, uh, computer process in her home basement. Now, I don't know whether any of that's true or not, but it's a damning, damning report, and I hope everybody reads it. You know, already it's being dismissed, though, by the New York Times and other people uh, on the ground. Well, it was Durham. What do you expect? He was appointed by a Well, what we expect is to read the evidence. Look at the evidence. Evidence is pretty compelling.
0: US constitutional expert and former Harvard Law School Professor Alan Dershowitz speaking with Forbes magazine this week. The Australian newspaper's Washington correspondent, Adam Crichton, meantime, wrote this week that for all the gravity of the Russia collusion hoax, the Durham report has been dismissed or ignored by much of the US mainstream media, some of whom won Pulitzer Prizes for validating it. The crime was assumed, but the evidence was never forthcoming. And the same institutions, more or less, suppressed it and dismissed the true story about Hunter Biden's laptop, which could have been devastating to Joe Biden's 2020 presidential campaign. Those who've been screaming loudest about misinformation and disinformation have ended up being the greatest purveyors of it. Whatever Trump's flaws and his later misdeeds, He didn't deserve this, and his supporters are right to be furious. Spot on, Adam Crichton. Well, you may have noticed a little theme running through tonight's show, and that was partly by accident or just what was going on in the world. But the theme is the politicization of our criminal justice systems and the judiciary more generally. So it was quite a surprise, but probably shouldn't have been when I saw the front page story on the Australian newspaper's website yesterday about how a prominent New South Wales Supreme Court judge, not a lower court judge, a Supreme Court judge, accused an elected member of parliament of racism in an email that he just decided to write to the MP out of the blue. Separation of powers? Anyone? Separation of powers? What's separation of powers? New South Wales Supreme Court Judge Ian Harrison wrote to the National Party Federal MP, Pat Conaghan, on Wednesday morning to tell him that his views on the voice to Parliament were disgusting, paternalistic and racist. Imagine rocking up to work in the morning, opening up your emails. Oh, look, a Supreme Court judge has dropped me a line. Oh, oh. Oh dear, as the kids like to say, WTF. This is inappropriate in the extreme. Nationals MP Pat Conahan is a former solicitor and police officer himself. Judge Harrison has accused him of racism. It's always so meaningful these days when people throw racism as a slur around, isn't it? I mean, when I got called a wog at school, at least that was actual primary schoolyard racism. These days, math can be racist. Anyway, the good judge called the good MP a racist over his opposition to an indigenous voice to Parliament. This followed a speech to Parliament by Mr. Conaghan, the member for the New South Wales seat of Cowper, which takes in Coffs Harbour, that he made on Tuesday night. And in the speech, Mr. Conaghan said those attacking a no vote on the basis that it denied historical atrocities were being, quote, recklessly dismissive and would only encourage Australians to vote on emotion rather than logic. Sounds like a pretty fair assessment to me. Mr. Conaghan told the Australian that he was astounded when he got the email from the judge and he contacted senior counsel right away, that's a senior lawyer, and the lawyer hit the nail on the head. He immediately expressed concerns about the constitutional ramifications of such correspondence being sent by a senior member of the judiciary. Mr. Conaghan said, Everyone is entitled to their point of view, but I found it extraordinary. And when I, received my, when I received it, my mind immediately turned to the separation of powers under the same constitution. Yes, the lines are getting blurrier and blurrier every day and it's not healthy. And that is all for this week. We'll catch you next Friday for The Other Side Australia. And don't forget on Tuesday night, remember, The Other Side interviews. Streaming at 6pm and then available on demand at any time thereafter, as always, as is this show. And if you do like our show, remember our saying, don't just like it, share it. We in the independent media really need your active support to keep on doing what we're doing and don't forget to check out all of our back catalogue of interviews and back catalogue of the other side australia shows and definitely don't miss alan jones interview with donald trump jr which is uh, on demand and available now too so have a great week and we'll catch you soon.